Our world is dying, politicians are lying And just when you feel like crying Sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves Hi, I'm Claudia I'm Evie and we are the hosts of The Poodcast and we are back for season two For those of you who don't know, The Poodcast is a podcast on a mission to learn about the lives of those living with bowel and bladder conditions, like myself and Claudia, Uh, and we like to share a shitty story or two along the way. And this week, our focus will be on the loos of London, a little trip trip down history loo lane. I love (laughs) it. I'm so excited. Um, Me too. So, Claudia, um, have you had any trips to the loo recently? How have your bum and tum been? I had the worst bum day yesterday. Worst bum day? Yesterday was bum day. I don't know what happened. Oh, I made Christ. myself a little lunch. It it consisted of butternut squash, goat's cheese and a bit of salad. Very nice. Well, you would think. And and that was me done for about an hour oh. on the toilet with horrific diarrhea. So that was super fun. I'm and so then I'm sorry. sitting in the bath. Thanks, babe. Appreciate that. Um, so that was a bit rubbish. But other than that, I've actually been, I've been okay. I've just been, I've been procrastinating a lot. It's actually on my to-do list for tomorrow to call the GP. I'm going to request my old medical history. Because I don't know about anybody else, but I feel like when you've gone through like a couple of different things and you've got bad memory, I actually can't fully remember what has, what I've been advised to do and what I haven't. Oh my gosh, Claudia, (laughs) I had the, the worst one of, couple of years ago i had some um throughout my whole sort of early 20s nailing a pint of orange juice after a night out the next morning i'd be like i'm so hungover god i feel awful i'm gonna throw up and then i I asked my mum to send me the the notes and it was like red allergy orange you know and you're like i'm an I didn't even once click with me that that's what I've been doing. Do you think we block it out because we don't want to take the advice or like time just passes and you just forget? Yeah, problems with authority, I think, for me. (laughs) (laughs) She don't like being told that she can't drink her orange juice. Yeah, just make myself sick. Write a will. My, I actually, yesterday, my D-Manos tablets finally arrived to help me with cystitis stuff. It, oh. This is also another thing. How long was it ago that somebody told me that that would be really helpful? Pretty much when we started the podcast. Yeah. And I've literally just bought it. Why, why do we, why do we do this? Like I saw on Amazon that it was like 20 quid and I was like, oh, I probably need this candle more than I need this thing that's going to help me, you know, help me with my severe bladder problems. Um, So this finally arrived and I was thinking about it and I... I'd completely forgotten that when I was about 18, 19, when we were at uni, I had an ultrasound scan on my bladder because oh, I was yeah, suffering with cystitis so much. Oh, yeah, because it wasn't emptying itself properly. You yeah. said it was 80, emptying 80% or something? Yeah, like it was show? something about that that they were saying that, because I, I remember I was having really bad, like, um, stabbing pains, like, in the oh, kidney area. So that's, that's how I ended up, like, going to the hospital and stuff about it. And, yeah, they said that I was only urinating like a certain amount out of my bladder i can't remember the exact percentage but it wasn't as much as it should be so that it's then kind of sitting in my bladder and that's why i'm getting so prone to infections oh no but i can't remember what they advised me (laughs) um (laughs) like this was this is nearly 10 years ago and i'm only just remembering they definitely i remember them they didn't put me on any they put me on antibiotics for that like specific problem and I remember them saying you should sit on the toilet for much longer than you're doing. And me as a kind of like 19 year old being like, well, I will do that at home. But, you know, when we're out and about, essentially when I've been drinking loads with friends, 
I didn't want to be the one like wait that everyone had to wait for while I was in the toilet, <laughs> yeah. like being like, well, I just got to wait an extra ten minutes to see if it all comes out. So I just don't think I ever really. Ex- ex- sorry, an extra ten minutes. Sometimes I'll sit for an extra, probably like six or seven minutes, and just because that's how long it takes. It. This is why when I go My to word. bed, I have to get up so much because I just not I'm not getting it all out. This does sound um, like me though, because I wee so much in the in the night, but. Maybe I'm not getting it all out either. But then again, I don't get cystitis, so... No, you absolute son of a bitch. But, so, um, sorry, that wasn't, like, me telling mm, you about how great my life is. Well, it sounded... I'll tell you amazing. all my other emotional problems if you want them. Yeah, I'd like a, a long <laughs> list of everything that causes you severe pain. But no, but that, that's just what's been on my mind at the minute. I think I'm going to call... And it's the same with IBS. When I was diagnosed with IBS, it's only from hearing other people's stories... I have not had anywhere near as much detail as they had. So I, th- I think I'm, I'm about to start a journey, mate. I think all of our episodes are making me think I actually maybe don't have to put up with all this stuff oh. that I'm just putting up with because I'm like, it's just who I am. Well, I mean, Claudia, at the risk of sounding dismissive, this is going to make for excellent podcast content. We've got <laughs> things to talk I've about now, so thanks, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope it. that's helpful, though, in some way, in that, as you say, you do get that detail, because so many of the people that we've spoken to have been such good advocates for their own health that they've been able to say, no, I need more, or I need to mm. go back to the doctor, I need more blood tests, and I think you and I both have maybe actually not been very good at that. So We're hopefully not. by... Pers- you know being a bit more persistent yeah i feel like i'm gonna go on a like um this is your lifestyle kind of like this is your bum and oh. this is your bladder and maybe you can host it and we'll we'll start a new series but yeah. it's just about me i mean i suppose the thing is we do already have this podcast claudia so we yeah. we are sort of, with respect sort of doing that already aren't we I see sort of point. when you think about it. All right, well, I'll write you the plan and, you know, you can either choose to go with it or dismiss it. I might get, <laughs> I was about to say, get Terry Wogan as the host. He's dead, babe. We oh. get into such spirals, though, with people we don't, we don't remember who are dead or oh, not. Oh, no, I feel really sad about Terry we, Wogan. we joked about Des O'Connor being dead, but it turns out he wasn't. Then, like, a week later, he died. He died. I, was like, I think we've maybe had a bit of a bad omen there. Well, at least I haven't jinxed terry wogan anyway yeah, too, i digress too late how is your bum how's your tum um it's more sort of tum tum focus this week for me yours has been sort of pr- primarily bum i've <laughs> got into a lockdown habit of i've decided every friday i order brownies to my house every friday <laughs> cost me 30 quid where do you get them from i'm not going to shout out the company because i l- contacted them because i love them so much just gluten free brownie company and i was like look i love your brownies i've got a podcast we need sponsorship and they said no <laughs> so um, i'm not gonna shout them out because <laughs> no. that's just free promotion but they are fucking good and Jesus. every friday i'm like i'm not gonna do it this week like i'm just not going to like i'm not and then it gets around to friday afternoon and i'm like no but i am that's the thing <laughs> is that i am how many come in a pack this is not me shaming you this is just yeah genuine interest. it's not good claudia so it's 15 brownies and it cost me 30 pounds for postage package and the brownies but i can't express to you how i've never had gluten-free brownies like it like i would prop it push came to shove i might even pay double if i was having a really bad day because they are so delicious and they arrive on monday morning every every week so i order them friday night i'm like having a shit week then it's the weekend and then start of the week oh ding dong brownies are here Brownies arrived, Avon Collie. I just, yeah, exactly. I just had one before we started recording with a big cup of tea. And like, I can't, I can't tell you the joy it brought me. And I think it's off the back of our conversation with Laura Till when she's talking about, look, if you just need 
to eat shit in this lockdown because it's gonna give you a bit of comfort like that's okay don't feel guilty christ have i taken that advice on board i'm making a mental note to like put in some like sad music at this point in the podcast (laughs) i know i've got so i'm really good the main thing i'm very good at which i'm not normally because they're so expensive i will strictly have like one i just have one yeah, how long does this last? Well, I actually, when they arrived on Monday, I had two left over from the previous week. And I do share them with my boyfriend. I was going to say, I'm not a mathematician here, but you're saying <laughs> you have, have one. Gone. And <laughs> they're all gone by the following <laughs> No, Monday. I had two, and my boyfriend had half of them. So I think I went one day okay. even without okay, one, fine. if you can imagine such a world. <laughs> so yeah, I should probably, I'm going to stop that. I think after this week or next week, I will stop. Okay. Um, but then the week after... I know it's my birthday the week after that as well, so... Well, we're all we're all on the edge of our seats waiting to hear if you order so another boring. batch of but yeah, brownies. Like, no, but yeah, actually, <laughs> what I want to... The main point of this is that it's making me feel great. It's not giving me bloating. The ingredients are agreeing with me and they're fucking delicious, so... Eat them away, you little willy wonka. Permission to discuss condition. I've got, by the way, I've got my, um, I've got my plunger with me. I know this, this is not video, but I feel, I feel like I have to bring it with me wherever I go. <laughs> so whenever I'm talking about toilets, it's got to be We will you. make sure that we get a photo, yeah. maybe even an Instagram of this, yes. but like this, that, that has yes, to be done. Yes. Okay. We'll make sure that happens. <laughs> I, I walk through the streets of London carrying this thing, you know, it's when we do the tours, this is what we do. We walk along it like this. It must be great for social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been social distancing before it was fashionable. (laughs) People just part when I come towards them. (laughs) So this week, our focus is on the loos of London, and we are chuffed to be joined by actor, writer and historian Catherine Alcock. Is it Alcock or Alcock? It's Alcock. I know, just written written like it sounds, yeah. (laughs) I always do this as well. We did it with a girl called um, Lottie Drynan and then she had to explain that it was a dry nan. I just seem to find these names have some sort of innuendo. (laughs) People try and... People desperately want to avoid saying Alcock at all costs. So they will just come out with all sorts of, like, you know, Alcook. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) Alcook. Like hyacinth bouquet. You can't have to say that, yeah. No, just Alcock. That's it, all cock. That's me. Oh, all cock. She's here. You've heard her now because I'm definitely going to keep that in because that was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Um, so, Catherine is a professional tour guide and is one of London's infamous Lou ladies. She and her three colleagues run London Lou Tours, the alternative to the bog standard London tour, and we are ready to pick her brains on all things toilets. Welcome, Catherine. How are your bum and how is your tongue? All right, thanks. Not too bad. Um, it's definitely suffering from the lockdown light a diet. I'm not going to lie. It's been, um, you know, it's been taking a bit of a well, as you were saying, a bit of a, a cookie beating, a bit of a, yeah. you know, gingerbread. My sister makes gingerbread every day. It, oh, I hello. love the taste, but she the, makes the stomach. Every day. Well, I think it's become it's sort of become family therapy. She she makes it. We all eat it. Oh, <laughs> and um, it's having a weird effect on my gut. I have to say, it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Does she Not, make it into any it. shape? She just goes for the classic sort of cookie cutter round. We do have ninja shapes, which Ooh. I feel like we should work on at some point. Ooh. But um, but for now, it's been round, round cookie cutters. Yeah. Well, no, you know. <laughs> Why complicate? I mean, it's going in your stomach. So, yeah. you know, the shape really is secondary. Yeah. And if it? it's a person or an animal shape, sometimes I, I do feel quite guilty, like eating it. I know. You know a little... Like, 
Do you go for the head yeah. first? Do you go for the leg first? I made a, a gingerbread house at Christmas. <gasps> I bought I bought a, a kit, um, and it took me hours. I'm not a baker, so I was I was quite nervous about it, but very proud of myself. And I spent hours on it and leave it alone for one second. And my boyfriend has used the icing and drawn a massive penis on the side of my beautiful little house. Oh no! Classic. It was really rude. I'd tried really hard and I know we weren't going to show it to anybody, but I just thought, you know, I was showing you what our future could be yeah. with this little house, yeah. you know, if, if you played your cards right and you've just drawn a massive dick on it. So that's what they call a red flag, isn't it? Yeah. Red flag. <laughs> He's already had about 10. Katie, I need to get them out. I've had enough. For now, this time the gingerbread house, who knows where it, where it ends. So, Katie, obviously without giving us any spoilers, could you tell us a little bit about the London Loo Tours? Yes, gosh, where do I begin? Well, um, we started uh, all the way back in 2012, actually. So uh, we've been going for quite a while now. And we run a series of public walking tours or, you know, you can privately arrange one if you have a, an event that you feel could do with a little bit of extra toileting. <laughs> and uh, we, we take people on walks around London. We visit interesting toilets and we talk about the politics of toilets can you believe there's quite a lot going on in that realm uh, we talk about the history of toilets we we talk about all the sort of scandalous stories and all the fun bits and our mission I suppose a bit like yours is to get everybody talking about this stuff because the more we talk about it you know the more we can start to solve some of the big problems in the world of toileting and there are many I love this absolutely love it you're you're right up my street um (laughs) so you just sort of mentioned about the the history of toilets just thinking chronologically so you know it's really difficult I don't really have to give any spoilers away but what are the sort of history of um public toilets um especially in in London well good question and I mean really the answer to that is sort of how long is a piece of string as far back as human beings go toileting has been something that people have had to a greater or lesser extent you know had to have been aware of and there are public toilets even before the invention of the flushing toilet you know our modern public toilet that we we tend to think of and um, we know and love we know and love yeah exactly that the humble toilet as I like to call it. um there have been public toilets going all the way back to you know the 13th century um dick whittington heard of him if you've ever been to see a pantomime yeah. uh, lord mayor of london famously uh, he paid for a public toilet on the banks of the River Fleet. It had 64 uh, seats for men, 64 seats for women. Wow. Um, and yeah, people would just do their business. It would drop straight down into the river. Nice oh, and efficient. That's absolutely remarkable. I mean, I, I the, the most I think I've heard about London toileting is when you talk about sort of Shakespearean times and the throwing poo out the windows and, and oh, all yeah. that kind of thing. All that good all stuff. The, all, all, all the good <laughs> stuff. So were public toilets the first kind of official toilet before people had them in their homes? Uh, Well, certainly people would have gone to toilets publicly before they would have had toilets installed in their houses. That's that's quite likely because most people wouldn't have been able to afford to have, uh, you know, a sort of certainly a modern flushing toilet installed in their home um, until the government actually started to mandate that that was was necessary. Um, But of course, you know, it depends on your exact definition of what a toilet is i mean many people would have had you know a a part of the garden or you know dare i say it a corner of their room where they would have gone you know to the toilet and you have this strange thing when you look at the history of toileting that people start to become aware that there's something not very healthy about toileting 
And so people start to think, okay, well, it smells bad and maybe the bad smell is what makes us sick. So people start to think, okay, maybe we shouldn't be you know, pooing in the corner of the living room or, you know, pooing on the streets and all that sort I of thing. I haven't come but... to that realisation yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've told us so yet. many times. <laughs> we've, all, we've all been, you know, out sort of in London on a night out and seen a few people who maybe need to be reminded of that. But, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's people sort of, it took people a long time to kind of recognise that actually it's not just get rid of, getting rid of the smell. You know, if you chuck it into the river, eventually it's going to come back to bite you. And, and that realisation takes a long time, right through till the 19th century. And is fact, that when really. sewage pipes and everything was, was introduced? Like when did, who, yeah. who decided that we should probably stop shitting in the river? <laughs> to, well, you know, to put it historically for you. <laughs> when, when did we stop shitting in rivers? Well, of course, you know, when we're talking about Britain, you have to remember that Britain is still very much, you know, the Western world is actually still very much an anomaly in terms of the globe at the moment you know um toileting is is a far more serious issue in other parts of the world but in in terms of here in britain we had kind of cesspits and we i mean we've had cesspits you know since as far back as the you know the 14th century and beyond it's really hard to say when did we start building cesspits but when it comes to kind of managed sewage systems you're looking at the kind of mid 19th century and certainly in london a wonderful man my hero a guy called joseph Bazalgette great name Ooh, love who, him um, lovely lovely guy and uh, I didn't know him but sounds like a lovely guy <laughs> I like his name <laughs> and that's enough <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and he was the man who I don't know if you've heard of the great stink of yes. London no. yes but he was oh. the man who you know when this smell starts to pervade the city and diphtheria and cholera and typhoid and all this sort of thing around the on the upcrease he was the head of the Metropolitan Board of Works and so he's the man they come to to say all right, Joseph, build us some sewers. I know that, that London might be doing things first before things get spread out, you know, to the wider regions. Was London kind of the first one to break the mould? Yeah, we were certainly sort of leading the way. I think I think the French sewers may have pipped us to it. I'm, I have to confess, Classic. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but certainly in terms of the invention of the flushing toilet, that seems to have happened here first. Um, of course, you know, there's always room for debate with these things. I mean, how exactly do you define a flushing toilet? If you're talking about, you know, just sort of water carrying your waste away, well, the Romans were doing that 2000 years ago. And, you know, we found examples, we think, in the, the Indus Valley civilization. And actually, if you go to, to some of the prehistoric sites in Scotland, there's what might be water sort of born toilets up there. But in terms of the first mechanism for a flushing toilet that we would recognise today, that happened here in, in that makes you just feel proud to be british <laughs> i know fly that flag yeah <laughs> which i'm not feeling currently these days so <laughs> that's good to know um so sort of moving towards our current situation with toilets you mentioned that there are a few challenges let's say what what do those mm. challenges include do you think well i think um certainly for us in britain one of the biggest challenges facing us at the moment is the closure of public toilets um yes. which is happening at a terrifying rate and actually local authority run toilets have all but disappeared across the country. I think Cornwall we used to have over 200 and now they've got one, I think, something like that. Um, don't quote me on that, she says <laughs> on a podcast, but, but it's something like that. It's a huge, huge disappearance. And, and of course, what happens is that some of those toilets get get privatised and you end up with kind of private companies running public toilets, in which case you have to pay, um, or they look to other schemes to try and fill the gap. But, you know, I think if you stop most British people on the street and say, do you feel there's enough public toilets? People say no. 
mm. but yeah. yet they're continuing to close so it's it's a real issue and hopefully you know this pandemic that we're all living through at the moment is a is perhaps a kind of tipping point for people to realize actually all this health and sanitation stuff that we sort of thought we'd solved in the 19th century is kind of coming back to bite us and if we don't take care of this stuff um, it's going to disappear and we'll be right back where we and started uh, It's something that we speak about a lot, um, me and Evie, being being out and about and, you know, having gut or bowel yeah. conditions, being, being caught out. And there never seeming to be that many places, particularly, obviously, within kind of central London, you can kind of go into pubs and things like that. But I guess when I was younger, there always just seemed to be a toilet by a park. Like that, that yeah. just seemed to be a thing. And that is not something I, I see much anymore. And that's that's quite concerning. I think especially for a it lot is. of people that listen to this podcast, they would be quite worried about that. Is, is there anything we can do <laughs> to, to help to change this? I, the, we need to put pressure on the government really is what needs to happen. And, and your local government, because toileting um is it used to be sort of mandated from central government that the local authority had to provide toilets and that's not quite the case anymore so um there's a yeah there's a sort of a gap you know they're expensive to run and they end up they're not very well taken care of by the public you know so we're partly to blame um you know they develop sort of a stigma people think that it's where you know people are up to no good go and hang out and all this sort of thing and so you know really we need to pressure our local authorities to say we need these facilities and we need them available and we're happy for our tax money to pay for them you know because it's something people don't think about they think about yep we want money to go to schools we want money to go to hospitals yes we want our rubbish collected and we want the potholes in our roads fixed but actually you know toilets particularly for people like ourselves who have you know conditions relating to the gut but also for elderly people you know for families with small children you know if you've ever been you know even if you've just your only experience with needing a toilet is you know having had a dodgy curry on a friday night and being Mm. out the next day and thinking oh my god where's the nearest loo we all know how important that moment is and you know i would argue it's it's a human right to have access to these toilets and our local authority should be the people to to do it yeah i'd I'd completely agree with that because (laughs) as you say who doesn't need a toilet i mean we yeah of course all want money to go to hospitals not every single one of us will use a hospital every year we'll Mm. use the toilet every single day and i think as you mentioned before with the pandemic because pubs and restaurants and museums or anywhere you think oh there's a library open maybe i'll just pop in and use their toilet when that's all closed i've had to be i mean i was gonna say i've had to be really really canny about where i've gone to the toilet i've, I've, no, I've, I've known i've just really known which ones are open and where i've pooed three times in a park during the pandemic because i've been desperate yeah and you know yeah. i mean obviously i joke about that but should we have to get to that point? No, you know, we no. need more public toilets. Absolutely, as you say. And it, it's preventative. You know, I think that's the thing. If you think, well, you know, but that money could go to, you know, sort of fund the A&E or something, or it could go to a toilet in a park. And you think, well, actually think of all the health conditions that come from, you know, or that are exacerbated by not having a toilet available. And actually, ultimately, maybe you're saving the hospital's money if you're providing these facilities for people to, to use when they're out and about. Um, you know and particularly quality of life you know mental health it's it's all tied together Um, something really interesting that's happening at the moment is um, the sort of the increase in changing places toilets which are toilets specifically designed to be effectively an enhanced disabled toilet so they have 
uh, enough room for someone in a wheelchair and some carers. They have a hoist that can lift someone from a wheelchair onto an adult-sized changing table. And if you're someone who, who requires somebody else's assistance in order to go to the toilet like that, if there are not those toilets available for you, you cannot have a day out. Yes, you know, no. you can't go to the football, you can't go shopping, you can't go sightseeing in London. And so these things help people to enjoy and live their lives to the fullest. And, and the government actually has been consulting about making this a mandated requirement for new public buildings over a certain size. So if you build a new football stadium, if you build a new shopping centre, you have to have provision for changing places, toilets inside, which is a huge step forward. It's so important. Mm. And Catherine, how did the London Lutors start? Well, um, it, there's myself and two other ladies involved in, uh, in Lutors. And the other two ladies are both American, two Americans, one Brit. And uh, one of them is called Rachel, and she's the Lou lady. So myself and my colleague Amber, we are we are sort of deputy Lou ladies. Uh, she is the Lou lady. The Sulu. And the super, super Lou lady. Um, it was all her idea. Basically, she came over to, to Britain from California um, all the way back in, in the early 2000s and was sort of shocked by the state of our public toilets in London. London actually is terrible for public toilets. And, you know, she became obsessed with this idea of, you know, where can I pee for free and sort of finding out all these little tips and tricks and and eventually got to the point where she had so much toilet knowledge that I think sort of almost as a joke to begin with, she started Lou Tours and it just blew up because, you know, in England, number one, we love our toilet humour, <laughs> but also, you know, this stuff, um, I can't tell you, we have people come on the tour who have been waiting their whole lives to talk to somebody about, you know, toileting and all this sort of stuff. We have a laugh, we have a joke. And uh, a couple of years after she set it up, she got me and Amber involved because it was just, it was, you know, growing bigger and bigger. And uh, now we're this sort of trio of ladies who go around sticking our toilet plungers <laughs> in people's faces and, uh, you know, telling people about toilets. It's great fun. Everyone's got to have a weird hobby and that's all. <laughs> oh, you come to the, you've come to the right place. You really have. Fantastic. <laughs> so you also mentioned this, you know, she had so many tips and, and tricks can you can you share with us any of those you know what what knowledge did she she come up on yeah well one of the things that i'm always surprised that people don't know about is something called the community toilet scheme now i don't know if you've heard of this no um, most people haven't and it doesn't operate everywhere in the uk but it, it actually operates in quite a lot of places now um, and effectively, it's a way of the local authority getting around the fact that toilets are very expensive. Um, so, for example, Lambeth in, in London runs the community toilet scheme. And so what they do is rather than having sort of toilet blocks that the council pays for, instead they pay local businesses to make their toilets open to the public. So there's yeah. always this thing of, you know, you like you say, you, you need the loo. Oh, there's a pub, there's a cafe. You go in, but you have that thing of sort of, Oh, you know, oh, um, oh, my friend doesn't yeah, seem yeah, to be yeah, here yeah. yet. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll just use the loo while I'm waiting. You know, or you feel like you have to buy something yes, or whatever yeah. it might be. With the community toilets, the local authority has paid that business to make their toilets open to the public. So you can walk in, head hold high, you know, use the loo, march straight back out again because that privilege has been sort of paid for. The only problem is it's sort of, number one, it's not very well advertised. Um, no. And there's no sort of collective um, kind of directory of these things. And um, there is something called the Great British Toilet Map, which um, people are trying to put together um, sort of information about toilets paid and free across the country. But 
community toilets, there's not a sort of central list as, as far as I'm aware. Maybe someone's done it in the last few days. But what you have to do is you have to go to, you know, Oxford city centres, sort of the council website for Oxford and, you know, go through all the pages, find the bit about toileting, find the bit about community toilets. And then you'll find a list of participating businesses. Um, there's also a little sticker that a lot of them put in their window, a sort of little window decal. But unless you're looking for that, yeah. you know, when you're when you're sort of de- you know desperate, you're looking for a big big neon sign which says toilets. Yeah. You know, you're not looking for a little sticker in the window. So it's yeah, it's not always very well publicised. But I think it's a great idea. Aside from the obvious flaw, which is that when the business is closed, the toilet is closed. Um, it sort of works f- for everyone because you know people get to use the toilets when they need it, but also from the business's perspective, they get a bit of cash from the local authority. And, you know, when you go in, you know, I've discovered wonderful pubs and restaurants because I've gone in to use the loo and I've gone, oh, this is quite nice. You know, I'll come yes. back here. That's um, happened so many times to me as well. Yeah. So it's this sort of lovely, you know, it sort of works for everyone. The local authority don't have to spend tons of cash on, you know, toilets and things, even though I feel that they should. You know, <laughs> they don't have to. Um, so, you know, that's that's something that I always encourage people, you know, your local area or if you're going to, on a trip to a city centre or something, just check, just look up. Are they participating in the community toilet scheme? Because it's what does this sticker look like? What should people look out for? It's um, it varies from local authority to local authority. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The one the one in the city of London has the City of London Corporation logo on it. And it says our toilets are, you know, um, free for use or something like that i can send you a picture of it i don't maybe we can put it on your your yeah, social yeah, media or something um but yeah it's it's it does vary from location to location i'm not even sure some places have them so unless you sort of do the research in advance it can be quite hard to to know and so it definitely needs a bit of publicity behind it even if it's not in that moment of urgency if you just pop to a cafe and then you happen to notice it you can log that yeah. the next time think oh you know exactly. maybe i'll be because sometimes when I'm meeting a friend in central London, you know, when that was allowed, um, I'd always judge it based on the good back days. In the good days. Yeah. I'd always do that based on if it was a cafe or a restaurant or something with a great toilet or somewhere, a park that I knew was near a public toilet. So you actually can yeah. gain business from doing that. You know, there is a real incentive yeah. there to do that. And I think, you know, for me, I, you know, I'm, I, although I'm here talking about loo tours, I'm, I'm a a tour guide the rest of the time you know I take regular tours as well of you know the Tower of London and St Paul's Cathedral and things like that and you know if I'm there with a big group of people or you know I've been booked to take a you know a big family round or something like that there are places that I used to you know I'd know there were good toilets in there so I take my customers there and I say right you know you go one at a time and you go you know use the loo and one of those I, I discovered not so long ago is a community toilet but they hadn't they didn't have any sort of info up about it and I thought all this time I've been feeling sort of guilty and shifty and sort of, you know, lurking outside, you know, sending people in there. I should have just been marching in, you know, now I lead sort of 30 people into the pub again, you know, come on everybody, let's use the toilets, you know. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it needs a bit more publicity behind it. And what sure. are some of the best, worst, I don't know, grottiest or snazziest toilets? What are your favourites that come to mind? Oh, my favourite toilets in London. Well, I'm, it, it's interesting because people often assume, actually, with the toilet tours that we're doing historic toilets that it's all ancient toilets um or as ancient as we get in london um but that's that's not the case we do sort of talk about modern toilets as well um now in terms of historic toilets my favorite historic toilet 
uh, in London is in the John Wesley in Chapel, in the Wesley Chapel in the city of London. They have original Thomas Crapper and George Jennings toilets in there, which are extraordinary. Now, as is often the way with historic toilets, only in the men's. But you can, you know, they, they they let people in to sort of have a little poke around. You just have to check in advance that nobody's using You go them. in with your plunger, like, oh, come, <laughs> come on, everybody. Also 40 of my tourists, you know. But it's, yeah, they, those are sort of so, so special. Because to see something that's, you know, that, that, I mean, 19th century is not old from British standards. But for a toilet, that's very old. That's right at the beginning, really, of public toilets. Um but some of my favourite toilets to recommend to people in London are more modern. And uh, you, you've probably seen them all over Instagram because Sketch in oh, yes. has amazing toilets. You know, these pod toilets, they sort of look like giant eggs. Um, you will have seen them. Anybody listening, you will have seen them. Just Google toilets in Sketch in London. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think even Katy Perry sort of Instagrammed them or something <laughs> at one point. So, yeah, they're, they're spectacular. And, you know, I think... That's what we need from our public toilets and toilets in general. We need to remember this is something that is so extraordinary to have the luxury of having. You know, we're so lucky to have these things. And, you know, we need to jazz them up and enjoy them and, you know, sort of go, yeah, damn it, we've got, we've got toilets. You know, how, how amazing God, is that? God, I feel so empowered. I just yeah. love it. And yeah. is this the kind of atmosphere you get on your tours? Is there kind of raucous toilet humour do people get a bit inappropriate oh, yeah. are there sob stories from people who you know have bowel and bladder conditions what what's the kind of scope that you get all of the above oh, <laughs> and I love it, it depends on the, the particular crowd of the day you know it certainly depends on whether it's a public tour or a private tour you know we get booked for for private tours you know we've been booked for hen parties for, <laughs> was it claudia uh, you know, I, 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 I was I, gonna I, say you just know this was gonna happen i, I got booked for someone's first date once which <gasps> I thought was very brave <laughs> but you know it's, oh it's happened God. were they were they awkward or were they no they, they were good I think he I think he nailed it actually kudos to that guy oh, because yeah. you know it was something it was something unusual you know and she thought it was hysterical so clearly you know he had he pitched he'd it. it yeah exactly I was I thought yeah well done mate that it was, was really good Ugh. But it's, you know, I think sometimes, you know, particularly if it's a group of friends, you know, if it's like like a hen party or a birthday party or, you know, that sort of thing, we do a lot of those and people tend to turn up, you know, a bit giggly. Oh, I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> and, and and stuff comes out. You know, people, we always jokingly say to people at the beginning, look, all of you will have your own toilet story. It might be buried deep inside you, you know, but we encourage you to share that with us on the way round. And, you know, sometimes it starts a bit, you know, but eventually this stuff comes out. And by the end, people are going, oh, my God, there was one time I, I shat on Hampstead Heath. And it was, you know, <laughs> all, you know, and you find yourself sort of, you know, giggling about these things. Oh. And people love to, you know, throw the toilet puns around. You know, some, sometimes people come, particularly on the public tours, when they've just booked on, they don't really know what to expect. And they're a bit nervous, you know, but our job is to warm people up and to make them feel comfortable and... You know, I mean, I've had, you know, I've, we have so many people who have bladder issues, bowel issues, who've come on the tours. And, you know, and it's great because it, it is a safe space. And, you know, I remember a chap saying to me, you know, he said, so what is it, you know, what do you look for in a toilet? You know, if you're going to mark something down mentally as that's a good toilet, you know, what do you look for? And I said, you know, quite naively, I said, oh, well, what I love, what I think is a mark of a luxury toilet is when there's two hooks on the back of the door, one for your handbag and one for your coat. So I was like, that is someone who has thought through toilets, you know. Amazing. And I was like, what about you? And there was a moment and he went, soundproofing. 
soundproofing. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. You know, and you did mention briefly there that um, you have people with bowel and bladder conditions come on. And did you mention that you yourself have a, a bowel or bladder condition? Yeah, well, I, I'm a, uh, I've got IBS. I was sort of diagnosed a couple of years ago with that. And my father has really suffered with it, you know, for, for a lot of his life. Um, but it's, yeah, it's something that, thank goodness, at the moment doesn't affect me too much. It's one of those things, you know, my dad, you know, he said to me, oh, mine kind of started in my late 20s and it sort of got worse throughout my life. And sort of as I started to hit my late 20s, I started to, you know, whereas before I'd sort of have a curry and it would be fine. It's sort of, you know, suddenly I start to think, oh, God, I don't. I don't feel very well and it sort of <laughs> this you know, doesn't work anymore this doesn't seem to something has broken in here and it doesn't seem to process anymore so I'm not badly affected um by it you know I'm very lucky in that way but um but you know it's when when you're having a bad day with it you know you're having a bad day in yeah. general and and you know. that's also just so exacerbated when you are in public you know, I actually, thank goodness I was with one of my fellow Lou ladies, but we, we went for breakfast once to um, Dishoom in London, oh, you know, very well-known restaurant. And, you know, there's always a queue at lunchtime or dinner because they don't take reservations. And so my friend said, let's go for breakfast, you know. And so I had a lovely, what looks like a full English breakfast, but of course is sort of spicy and has all these kind of other Did things. Did you have the bacon in. naan rolls? And I... Oh, no, I didn't, but oh, I will no. next time. Yeah, next time. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I got literally sort of five bites into this breakfast and... I've never needed the toilet so urgently in my life. I had to like get up and just sort of briskly march. And, you know, thank goodness because she's a fellow Lou lady. She was like, uh huh. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. And I didn't have to explain, you know, but it was, you know, it's happened to me in Warner Brothers Studios before on a, on a Harry Potter oh, tour with small not children. Not on the Harry like... Potter tour. Did you grab the sorting hat and just do <laughs> no, what you like needed? The chocolate frogs or something. I was like, no. Literally, I'm, thank goodness they had, I had sent them off to sort of look in the gift shop and I was in the cafe just sort of having a cup of tea and I was talking to my boyfriend on the phone and there was this moment I said, sorry, babe, got to call you back. <laughs> I literally, I just hung up and I sprinted for the toilets. Oh, and later when I spoke to him, he said, I thought your period must have started or something. And I was like, no, no, yeah. other, other end. <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was urgent. Claudia, you know. I know, sorry, Claudia, I can't get the image of this. Like Katie pooing into the sorting hat and it, and it just shouting like shit shitting doors. <laughs> I love this idea as well of being like, oh, I didn't need to worry because she was a fellow Lou lady. Because yes. I I want us all to be fellow Lou ladies. Exactly. I think that that's why you know we exactly. want to do this podcast. Is that I I have the you know we're all very lucky that we all have those friends that are our fellow Lou ladies. Yeah, but. We have, there are plenty of times when you're just with colleagues or just with acquaintances and yeah. it's quite hard to bridge the gap of wondering whether they might be fellow Lou ladies yeah, or quite. not. And, and how do you, and, and this is the thing, isn't it, that the more we talk about these things and the more we bring it out into the open and we say, actually, you know, I, I have a friend who has a, sort of quite a severe stomach problem and she frequently has to use disabled toilets because if there's a queue, you know, for, for the lady, that she has to go. So, and she said the number of times she gets abused when she comes out of the disabled toilet because people yes. are like, we well, all fine you know you don't need to use it and she said well actually you know I've got Crohn's disease and you know when like I, I actually really am disabled yeah. effectively by this yeah. condition you know um so I think that we we definitely always trying to say to people you know be kind be understanding and I think also most people are and I think that's yeah. the thing you know if if you actually can get past the embarrassment of it and say to somebody look I'm so sorry 
I've got IBS and I think I'm going to shit myself. You know, um, I just really urgently need to find yeah. a toilet. You know, bear with yeah, me. Yeah, it would take People... a special kind of arsehole to say, I don't care. Absolutely. You know, no, no one's going to say that. And I think, you know, it, as you say, it does take quite a lot sometimes, I think, for you to say, oh, I've got Crohn's or I've got this. But when you do, yeah. people generally are quite understanding. Just be a loo lady. I like this as the slogan. Exactly, yeah. And, and also people, when you open up to someone like that, they open up back, you know, and they go, oh, God, you know, there was this one time when I, you know, and, and it, you get this sort of shared, it's very weird, but, you know, shared experience, which is quite, quite beautiful, you know, and people, people feel like they can talk to you about it. And I think that's, you know, I'm sure you find the same on your podcast, but it's the same with us on our tours, you know, you, you can have the sort of the laughter and the lols and the sort of, oh, this funny thing happened to me. But the really precious moments, the moments when you're sort of, maybe you're walking from one stop to the next and someone's walking alongside you and they say, yeah, I really struggle with, you know, X, Y, Z from time to time. And you can be that person to say, you know, it's all right. You know, we all do. We're all human. And actually, this is the one real thing we all have in common, you know, that we all have to go to the toilet. You know, it's the great commonality of mankind. And there's 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 something powerful in that, I think. Yes, absolutely. And you, you we've kind of briefly talked about accessibility and, and disabled toilets and kind of something else that is important that we talk about I think is the um, accessibility of gender neutral toilets and ensuring that everybody has a toilet that they, they feel safe to use um, yeah. What I've got a couple of questions about that but I think something Claudia and I are quite interested to know is who who are leading the way with that where where would you really recommend you know if you're somebody who is non-binary or if you if you need a gender neutral toilet um, where would you recommend and, and also what what more could be done to make this easier great question and you know i think i think the sad answer is you know who's leading the way well nobody is really taking the bull by the horns at this point and sort of forging a path and what's happening which i quite like is that it's it's sort of quietly rumbling on in places you know so there are places in london that are gender neutral i mean for example um the jubilee london's most patriotic toilet on the south bank uh, next to the uh, the london eye that's a gender neutral toilet so all the all the cubicles in there are used by men and women and um it's a private cubicle so you queue up to go in but when you go in the sink the hand dryer the toilet they're all in a, cu- a single cubicle so you feel quite you know you shut the door it's floor to ceiling you know there's no kind of air gaps yeah. you feel safe in there um there's you know mcdonald's often has um kind of mixed gender parts of their toilets so often the sink area is kind of shared and things like that there's also gender neutral toilets um at guy's hospital uh, sorry um yes guy's hospital which which i think is, is really nice in their sort of student block um you know i found some in there which i was you know quite pleased to see so it it's happening here and there and i think certainly places of education tend to be the places where this starts and you know student bodies and things they want to cater to the needs of the whole community and so this sort of stuff starts to spring up actually also really pleased to say that victoria station has gender neutral toilets and now they have yeah so they have the big when you go to the toilets there there's sort of steps down to the ladies yeah you've got to pay 20p not anymore you don't it's not anymore it's free now yeah um but at the top um on the left there are some gender neutral toilets as well so you can you can use those and, you know, I think it's a, it's such an interesting issue, isn't it? You know, because um, for me, I mean, I so I know lots of women who will say, well, if I'm desperate and there's a big queue for the ladies, I'll just nip into the men's, yeah. you know, doesn't bother me at all, you know. Um, 
so I think you also a lot of the pushback that I get from people when we talk about gender toilets and I, I tend to take we, we go into the jubilee on our tours and I, I tend to take people in show them around tell them everything and then as we're walking away say by the way did you realize you know did you notice when we we're in there that it's gender neutral there is a sort of urinal area where the men can kind of go into to that and people are always like oh yes oh yes you know and the thing that pe- I most get as a pushback actually from people when I say you know gender toilet shouldn't we have more of them is people go oh yeah and it's usually women and they say but men are manky and I don't want to share a toilet with with a man in which case I say well this just feeds into the whole issue about looking after and caring for our toilets you know I have been in some very manky female gendered toilets you know oh, I've seen yeah. some pretty gross things oh, in gosh, ladies yeah. toilets that have definitely been done by ladies and not men, you know. So I don't think men have a monopoly on being gross and manky. Um, and it's it's just about caring for those toilets. And, you know, the Jubilee, they have excellent, excellent toilet staff I'd like to give a little shout out to. And, you know, they come in and they, you know, they can't always when it's busy, but they will give each toilet a sort of mop over and a sort of wipe between every single customer who goes in. Wow. Because they're, they're keeping it looking tidy, smelling fresh, you know. And people don't want to pay for people to do those jobs. But actually... You know, that's that's a good way to keep these toilets clean. And, you know, and also we just have to be respectful of our, our public spaces, which toilets are, of course. Yeah, I, th- I think as well with the, when you're saying, you know, people say, oh, men are manky. The only real difference, I think, between the majority of women's toilets and men's toilets is that men don't flush after they use a urinal, yeah. whereas we flush after we get to sit down and use the toilet. It's other than that, I suppose there's not really that much that much difference my first job was a toilet cleaner and then while working at a theater you always have to go and check mm. the toilets at the end of the night i'm not seeing any difference like, no. <laughs> like no. there really isn't <laughs> i only think sometimes the difference is potentially the smell because women often spray perfume yeah in in the so it tends to sound like but even that sometimes you walk in you feel like you've been punched by a slag i don't know <laughs> like it's just like whoa like it's just it's a lot sorry to yeah. say slag that i was would weird. actually just <laughs> like to i've mentioned them before but i would like to say the toilets in the understudy on south bank are mm. i think that, that everything's a cubicle and just like you were describing katie they've got a hand dryer and a basin in each one and you know water ceiling so you do feel very enclosed and everybody's got to queue for the same bit so the queue's the same length for men and women and Good. Uh, <laughs> and um even though obviously women can spend longer in the toilet than men for lots of different reasons but actually you it's it's men on the left women on the right but they're all gender neutral so in theory you could use any of them but kind of people tend to sort of stick to the the gender but but it's so funny i think men get quite carried away when they're given a cubicle because the women's side goes so much quicker and i think the men are like oh it's a cubicle i'm gonna gonna make the use of this while while i've got it but i would just like to say that the understudy toilets and the staff at the understudy are fantastic and those toilets are are great for anybody listening who uses gender neutral toilets highly recommend those as as well um and do you think one of the main challenges then could be if if cubicles are a requirement which claudia has actually educated me really well on is is the the cost and the time it makes to create those toilets rather than just building like a urinal say yeah i mean i think it's it's um obviously the time and the cost is an issue certainly in places like london when buildings are often uh you know listed or are historic um there, there can be trouble caused and you know the sort of you often look at old theatres um for example and you know they'll have seeing you mentioned theatres uh you know the, often the men's toilets are sort of you know you've got the bar you've got the auditorium there are the men's loos and then the ladies loos are sort of down some back <laughs> end stairs yeah. you know, in the basement so and true that's usually because of course at the beginning 
there weren't women's toilets at all in theatres. So, you know, they put toilets in for men. And then sometime later, when it, you know, more and more women start to be going to the theatre and it becomes more socially acceptable for them to do so, they start to go, oh, okay, well, we'd better put some women's toilets in. It's a listed building, there's restricted space, well, it's going to have to be in the basement. So you often see that in sort of older buildings. And so, you know, obviously that presents its own issues. But of course, you could just make both of those toilets gender neutral and then there's not an issue. And, you know, I really... It, you know, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to play rugby. And, you know, as a, as a female rugby player, um, we'd go on tour around the country playing other girls' teams. There was never girls' changing rooms and girls' toilets at the rugby club. Yeah. It was men's toilets and men's changing rooms. I mean, to the point was, effectively, they were gender neutral because nobody even thought to put a <laughs> gents' sign on the outside because, you know, that's They're just where the yeah. lads went, you know. And so often, yeah, I can't tell you the number of times they would sort of stick a kind of bit of paper on one of the loo doors being like, this is for the ladies <laughs> today, you know. And the number of times I've been sort of washing my hands or something in the toilets and a bloke has walked in and been like, uh, <laughs> you know, and I said, oh, you know, it's the girls team. We're just, you know, we're playing here today. And they're like, oh, IP right. too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, so so it's never bothered me. The idea of sharing toilets with men has never bothered me at all. And, um, you know, I think it just... You know, men will say, oh, well, will we have to queue longer? And women will say, oh, but the men are mankier than us. But actually, I think in the places where gender toilet, gender neutral toilets are in place, neither of those things are really an issue. You know, I think it's just a, it's a it's a mental hurdle to get over. And actually, when you're most people, I think, don't even notice when it's a gender neutral toilet. Oh, totally. People just also like to complain because we're British and it's something yeah, to do. Yeah, as well, have a good it? whinge. Yeah. Can I also just ask about the logistics when you do the tours, when you go into the toilets do you have to rally people out? Do people get annoyed that you're in there with 40 people and a plunger? <laughs> Imagine we were having like a flare-up and uh, I hear yeah, the I door. Like, so <laughs> I'm just jumping the queue. Well, we... we um, so, I mean, first things first, we don't go into lots and lots of them. A lot of the time okay. we sort of stand outside and we sort of talk because, again, I don't want to give too much away about the content yeah, of the tour, of but, you know, there are sort of... There's, there's interesting things that we see that you don't necessarily have to go inside and kind of join the queue to see. Um, but the toilets we do go inside, you know, we have a special relationship with the people who run them. And, you know, we, we let them know in advance we're coming. And, you know, usually it's, it's if it's a quiet day, you know, we tend to run our tours in the afternoon, tends to not be that busy, in which case we'll just sort of go in and often certainly for example the jubilee on the south bank will kind of stand in the middle and talk about and usually there's kind of one toilet that they'll they'll sort of keep for me and go okay you can show them in there um and other you know people will be going in and using the toilets while we're kind of talking so we we do our best to kind of not block the place up and sometimes i'll come in the summer in particular and i'll say hello you know i'm, I'm bringing you know i've got 20 people i'm bringing along at three o'clock and they'll say okay look it, you know it's really busy today so you know you might have to wait for us a little bit and we just go with the flow you know and i always brief the the customers and say look you know just so you know we might have to wait a little bit to get inside and look at this bit it'll be worth it you know um but yeah i think i think in general we make it work you know it's 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 always an issue when you're a tour guide anyway you know getting groups of people here and there and making sure you're not blocking up the pavement and you know causing a you know sort of a, a, a sort of crisis in the road or something so um yeah we we manage it but but we obviously the priority goes to the customers who need to use the toilet <laughs> rather than the tourists who are standing around gawping. And, you know, sometimes people, you can see people come in and they're sort of like, okay, what is that lady doing? I'm just going to go into the cubicle over here. You know, and I, I sort of try to kind of draw as much attention as possible so that people think they're looking at me and not looking at them going in to use the toilet, you know. <laughs> 
And I'm sure you have plenty of anecdotes. Do any of your favourites come to mind? One of the fun things I think about the the tours is that, you know, we have... So when we when we take our, our customers around London, uh, we carry plungers. Um, well, I always refer to it as a toilet plunger, but actually it's it's a sink plunger. I don't know if She's you can got tell. It here, I'm, I'm waving it uh, <laughs> over, the, over the airwaves here. Um, it's a sink plunger, but mine is a very nice chocolate brown colour. And people are quite alarmed by it sometimes. You know, when I'm walking through London, I sort of hold it high... And you see people do kind of double takes because, of course, tour guides do hold up sort of umbrellas and things like that, you know, and you see you see little kids going, Daddy, you know, what's that lady, you know, and, and sort of people stopping and staring. And I have become so desensitised to it these days. I sort of forget, I'm, you know, I just sort of march along holding it and you see people looking and smiling and laughing and people will shout puns at you and things like that. But I sometimes, at the end of the tour forget to put it away and I have <laughs> walked into Topshop with my toilet plunger before and just started kind of browsing the rails with it resting on my shoulder just and using it to knock things just, out the way. Yeah, exactly just sort of waving it around and after a while realized you know the security guard is looking at me like you know the person behind the tills <laughs> why is everyone staring at me and then you know I have to sort of <laughs> just kind of slowly put it back in my backpack and you know, walk out without causing too much of a scene you know oh um, it's very occasionally you know I've had times when obviously when we do our public tours people book tickets and sometimes in the quiet season, you know, in the winter when people aren't aren't so keen to go on walking tours, um, you might only have a few people booked for the tour, you know, three or four or something like that. And I did once have an occasion when I had, I think it was five people booked for the tour and none of them showed up. I think they'd all, there was some issue with the trains, I think, or something, and everybody got caught up, you know, outside of London. There was some disaster. And so I, I was waiting at our meeting point in Waterloo <laughs> Station, holding my plunger high, you know, sort of. And I, I always do it. And of course, people stare at you and are confused. But you think, shortly... <laughs> Customers will come along and it will become clear that I'm running (laughs) some kind of tour. And after, you know, literally after 10 minutes, I had to just sort of very sadly lower my plunger and (laughs) put it in my bag, you know, check my emails. What's happened to these people? And I just look like some sort of lunatic, you know, still (laughs) waving my toy. People always think I'm protesting something. What's this this in aid of? Do you have a leaflet I could take? Oh, putting it away in a little plunger of shame back there. Yes, exactly, exactly. I have have a travel plunger as well, by the way, a smaller version. Oh yeah, I've got a few different ones. I've got three, in fact. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How can people go about booking a tour? What What's the information that we can we can pass on to people? Because also, Evie, I'm thinking we need to do this as well. Yes, definitely. You should, ladies. You should be happy to 100%. give you a tour. Um, yes. Yeah, so you can visit our website. We're at lootours.com nice and easy and of course at the moment we're not running our real life public walking tours but we are doing virtual events so I'm running a a history of the humble toilet virtual tour uh, first Friday of every month and one of my colleagues is running a fart tour um, which you can check out as well and we're doing a, a toilet quiz every month uh, and uh, and that sort of thing as well so if you look at our website you'll see we've got all these bits and pieces you know so you can get your toileting fix even whilst in a lockdown oh wonderful and do you guys have any socials especially so that we can also we share do, oh, do you know what? i should have prepared that shouldn't i, I think we're, <laughs> that's okay I, basically if you search london loo tours you'll find us i think we're, we're on we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on facebook um i think we're just loo tours most places so uh, you should be able to find us easily that way um, oh, yeah loo tours thank you those quizzes yeah, sound epic. i'd like to give that a go um, thank you so so much you've been so great and I've learned so much so thank you 
Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I've loved every second of it, and uh, I think we're you're engaged in a, you know, a good, a good fight here. We've got to bring, bring the toileting word to the masses. For sure. Let's get our plungers and let's just start oh, yeah. knocking people down. <laughs> <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. Okay. So now, I mean, after that huge education from the lovely Catherine it's time to be educated by one of you <laughs> your bowels or bladder it's the toilet tale time eves what's cracking in the bum book today oh we have had an absolute corker sent in um it is a toilet tale so let me read it to you <clears throat> hi there okay here goes I had gone round to my best friend's house, which is about a seven-minute drive to the next village, and she was making dinner for us. We had a lovely catch-up, and I played with my godson before she served dinner. Very creamy, cheesy mac and cheese with garlic bread. Oh. As we've discussed on this episode so far, red flag. Yeah, but... Still, I mean, delicious. Wouldn't stop me. It's waving. Now, <laughs> having Crohn's, I know that this can be a trigger food, so I paced myself and ate slowly. Sorry, it's basically slept so much. She said that's going to undo all sins. I ate it slowly. It's fine. <laughs> Dinner done. She then brought dessert through to the lounge. My friend knows I have Crohn's, but I saw how much effort she had made, especially with a two-year-old T-Rex to look after, so I didn't say no when she brought out berries, cream and meringue. Oh, bugger. I knew this was a mistake five minutes after I'd finished it. It was only quarter past eight and I had to make my excuses. I was totally about to shit my pants. I got in the car and I sped along those country roads in the dark as fast as my VW polo would take me. Waves of pain pulsing through me, sweat dripping down from my forehead as I turned the corner into my village. My destination was in sight. If I could just get... No, it happened. I slowly came to a standstill a mere 50 metres from my driveway and I sat in my car and took a crap. Oh God, she was so close. The most horrid, awful crap you've ever had. After the first wave, I drove into my drive and I got out the car, left the windows open to air it and ran into the house, stripped myself from head to toe, soaked my clothes in the bath and I was stuck on the toilet for the next few hours. Drained and exhausted, I went to bed forgetting about my car only to wake up in blind panic and remember what had happened. I got dressed and went outside to check the damage. As you'd imagine, it was horrific. And as I turned to go back in, my neighbour came out and said, I think an animal must have got inside and made a mess of your car in the night. It smells awful. I smiled, agreed and went to clean. When I sold that car two years later, I knew I could still see a faint reminder of that evening. I have never told anyone. And that is from Anonymous. Wow, oh, I feel honoured that you told us that. Yeah, I love it. It's such a good story. The only person that you've told are the people that are going to broadcast it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Thank you so much for sharing. I just love the idea of your neighbour thinking like a raccoon got yeah, exactly <laughs> a raccoon who's also got Crohn's disease <laughs> and had really bad flare up. <laughs> like, oh. oh, you poor and love. I so know what they mean about being only 50 metres from their house, it's when you get closer, I think it gets worse because that's exa- exactly what happened to me. I pooed myself like on the doorstep, basically. You did, yeah. You? 
I think it's, I mean, it's a bit like what Laura Tilt was saying with these bouncers. Do you think it's almost like the first one is actually starting to open the door? Like, they see you coming down the street, they want you in the club, yeah. so they start opening the door. I mean, for those of you who haven't listened to the Laura Tilt episode, she was saying, like, within your anus is essentially, like, it's like there's two little bouncers. <laughs> so, one sorry, of them. no, she didn't. She said we have two sphincters, and you said, oh, two bouncers then. <laughs> I said it was two bouncers, but like one is you know, conscious and one is one is unconscious. So you kind of have control over one, but not the other. And and so I said it was like two bouncers. <laughs> but maybe yeah, maybe one of them was already opening the door. They were so keen for her. To yeah, come in. and it's sort of caught draft, which then opened the second one. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Poor. Wow, this metaphor's <laughs> got wings, isn't it? <laughs> oh, poor you. I'm I'm so sorry, but um, you know, you got rid of the car now. It's somebody else's problem. <laughs> Exactly. And sharing is caring. And I hope you feel I really liked the way this person started their message to us on Instagram. It was like, okay, here, here goes. goes. And it was kind of like, you know, going into like a confessional with a priest, like, I will do this and I will feel better once I've shared. So I hope you do feel better for sharing with us. You are fabulous. We have fully absolved you of your poo sins. Not that you can have any, but well done. Totally. Um, and thank you to everybody for listening today big thank you to Catherine Alcock for coming on and you can find um, the wonderful work that they do at the London Loo Tours I want to book one so bad and also these quizzes yeah I think you need to get on these quizzes yeah I'm running Um, out of things to do lockdown wise I think I've come full circle back around to a quiz yeah let's just do it um, but thank you so much for coming on, Catherine, and thank you to everyone for listening. You can um, also send us one of your toilet tales, either by uh, typing up or voice note, and you can send it to thepodcastofficial at gmail.com. Oh, thank you. Yes, you can DM us them, and even if you want to send us a voice note on a scandal, um, you can remain anonymous, so it will just be your voice. So if you do send us a voice memo, please just confirm to us that that's okay so we don't play your <laughs> voice note without your permission. Um, and if you could please, please, please rate, review and subscribe us. Um, I think it's mainly only on the Apple Podcast app that you can do that. Perhaps you can do it on Spotify as well. Maybe, maybe, I don't think Okay, maybe can. not. But yes, if you have an iPhone and you listen to your um, podcast through the podcast app, then please do because it makes such a big difference and we will see you on the flip side in a in a public toilet that we that we've saved we'll be celebrating outside and you can come and join us absolutely bye bye